Side cokes and hedge folk out there in the Geek Nation, you're currently tuning into Cold Pop Podcast live stream, aka spoiler alert, episode 766, where we review the week's past comics as well as talk about some fun pop culture topics for your listening and viewing pleasure. I'm your host, Johnny Destructo, owner of Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex, located at 4327 Main Street. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, a super rad shop which caters to nerdy and nerd-adjacent individuals of all shapes and sizes, except jerks. No jerks allowed. Joining me tonight are <laughs> Brian Lieb and Noel Bartocci. Sup, fellas? Hey. Hi. Not much. You? <laughs> Bra. Thank you. Not much. Cool. I have uh, Sam Adams Winter Lager. It's festive and smooth. Mm. Mm. And so uh, if anyone has uh, met me and it's come up. I have. Who? Uh, they, they know that I'm not, I'm not super into like alcohol in the way that madmen are into alcohol. Like they'll just pour <laughs> scotch in a glass and just yeah. sip, just, just enjoy scotch. Uh, to me, it, it, it's like um, cough medicine, where it, it gives me, I, get, I take a sip and I'm like, mm, that's nice. And then I do the, and then my nipples get hard. Um, it's So you do it all the yeah, time. It, but yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's only, only for the side effects, not for enjoyment. Like yeah. I enjoy, it's, a, it's causation. He enjoys his nipples hard so much that he yeah. has a drinking problem now. He's got to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's really um, a nipple hardness problem, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm not addicted to, to to alcohol. I'm addicted to my nipples being rock hard. So I, I reached out to a, a local author, Andrew Irvin, because uh, oh. he wrote a book that involved alcohol, scotch specifically, um, and uh, he had done a signing and he had brought this really nice, smooth scotch with him. And uh, I was like, hey, man, what's that scotch? Because my wife and I wanted to have like a nice little sipping scotch. Like, we, we could do this. We're adults. We can sip a scotch. Okay. And he told us, Glenn, live it. And uh, he was like texting me while I'm in the wine and spirits store. And he's like, not that one. That one's not aged. Get an aged one. So I got an aged scotch um, 12 years. And I, I took my. Ah! And I did. The... And my nipples got hard. Um, turns out I just don't. Maybe I just don't like scotch. Um, cause I like Jack Daniels, it Honey Jack, yeah. Jack Daniels, Honey Jack that I can actually like drink anyway. That's like, hmm? oh, I would like, that's the, that's the flavored stuff that yes. most I need, aficionados I need would, would 
poo, poo. scoff at us for yeah. saying you prefer. Right? I would scoff yeah. at them for that. Yeah, like uh, my fi- my favorite bourbon aged liqueur is uh, Honey Jack Daniels with the yeah. bee on it. Yeah, that'd be great. Can I get? It's yeah. so delicious with the bumblebee also, on it. Also, cider Jack is delicious. Yeah. Like oh an God. apple cider whiskey. That. Oh my God, it's yeah. great. You can just drink it. Um, uh, I, didn't yeah, I don't like just drinking. I don't like oh. just drinking alcohols either, like in a glass with nothing else in the glass. You know? Yeah. It's, I've never it's found not, that to be not an enjoyable for me. thing. No. I'm, I'm a real, I'm a real beta. I'm a real beta cuck soy boy, though. Uh, quick question: <laughs> On a scale of one to ten, ten being the most ecstatic, <laughs> how how happy were you to finally, finally, after all these decades, to finally know how Boba Fett survived the Sarlacc pit? Who's going first, me? Yeah, yeah, of course. How happy, how happy was I? The question is how ecstatic. The, how ecstatic. The question, yeah, the question presumes you were ecstatic. Right. We just yeah. want to know how ecstatic you were on the skate. It, that is <laughs> what you want to know. <laughs> I, as the question went on, I found my numerical answer must decrease <laughs> during that time. <laughs> um, you know, at first I thought it was like to see the Boba Fett show or whatever. And I guess having had no strong desire to see it before this, uh, I still enjoyed seeing it. I was like, okay, cool. That's cool. He, he got out of the Sarlacc pit, like all those people talk about him doing. Um, and, uh, you know, I never cared too much about Boba Fett to begin yeah. with. I mean, he was a cool action figure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Jeff it's Pack, fine. Like, I never I had the, I never had any Star Wars action figures actually, but um, I don't even think I saw any to purchase when I don't remember like seeing them and being like. Nah. I suffer from Star Wars blindness. I don't see any of the <laughs> any of the merch. I don't know uh, why I you guys enjoy that stores. six hours of blank screen that <laughs> yeah. you keep it's, talking about. It's literal, it's literal Star Wars blindness. Like people have yeah. facial recognition blindness. He just doesn't yeah, yeah. see but, it anywhere. I still watch every episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The um, algorithm still knows you. You just, yeah. it's just a blank screen. Yeah. I'm sticking, time. I'm sticking with it though. I hear it's going to be good. <laughs> no, I mean, I like Star Wars, and, but I was never, I was never as into Star Wars as other things. And I definitely, it definitely would have been like a Luke action figure. If it was going to, you know, something lights, I, I owned a couple of extensible lightsabers for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine seeing him get out of the get out of the pit. I'll tell you, most of this episode, I was like, "Man, it'd be cool if this was about Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, yeah, not Boba." Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I felt similarly. I was like, "Okay, I've never been overly curious." Oh, he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Cool. Yeah. He yeah. has a jetpack. He probably flew out. Um, yeah, the only way that he could have got out of it, right? It's like yeah. everyone was just like, I called it. He dug his way up. Like, that's the only fucking way he could right. have gotten out of it. Was shoot yeah, out the bit through the other side of the planet? That's the other he, option. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, he's spit him out. <laughs> the Sarlacc extends yeah. to the entire planet, and it has a giant anus on the other side. Um, he just shoot him out eventually. Yeah, um, guys, that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. I don't know why people keep whining that's, about it. That's Star he, Wars canon now. The Sarlacc is of, the length of Tatooine <laughs> all the way through. And he just sort of punched his way out. He was just and like, he got oh, that, 
<laughs> I'll just what was that punch. oxygen thing? Right? Like he was like, Oh, I gotta go get some stuff from that guy's mask and put okay, it into so my I, mask. We uh JD and I talked about this a little bit and I, uh-huh. I kinda have I, I rationalized it all in my head. Hmm. So for two seasons of the Mandalorian, they made such a big deal about this goddamn armor, the Beskar steel and not even a lightsaber can cut it and blah, 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 blah. So he fell down there and had the time to wake up because it wasn't eating through the the armor as quickly as it was eating through that crusted up very dead stormtrooper. Right. 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 Um, So that's how he survived because this, the steel didn't degrade or at least enough and then he needed oxygen from that fucker. Oh, because it had been a head. long I, enough time. It had been a long enough time that he was probably started sense. to suffocate. And then that just started digging his way up. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like, the only reason why he was able to survive is because that armor kept him alive long enough to survive. That, makes that sense. was my head cannon. It's I mean, yeah, simple, it makes sense. Stupid. Yeah. See, the I only like thing that, that bothered he... me is I didn't... Because when when Noel said that, I was like, but there was also a stormtrooper in there who looked pretty armored up. Uh, I don't know why he was dead. Why was he dead when Boba wasn't dead? He was part of the wall and very porous. Like when they moved him, he was all. How long had he he been in there, too? Was he was he he fell in in there? He fell in recently, just before. Same time. Same time. That's the, that's that scene. That's that gif. Oh, do you have it on here? No, it's the gif where it's Luke Skywalker and he's fighting the people on the barge, and it's a very very poorly timed um, kick because he kicks and then the, the guy he's kicking is like a foot away from him still and then still goes <laughs> ah. No, but I have this. It's probably the forest. Oh, uh, that's all we need. That's how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. He grooved the- his way out. Although we see there that his armor does not cover his entire body. That's so, true. Yeah. A lot of that is just uh, underoos. That's true. That's true. Um, but all that being said, I still thought, like, I wasn't wondering how he got out. But when he got out, I was like, ah, that great moment of starting. Sure. Now he's out. That's good. Uh, I did. I learned a great wrinkle. Now every time I hit a GIF, my headphones go out for about 10 seconds. So I have no idea what you guys said. Uh, we didn't say anything. Uh, anything about you at all, Noel? There was nothing said that could offend you. Yeah, could you play three more gifts? Just no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I need more just, time. I need about just thirty enough seconds. Gifts, just enough <laughs> gifts so that we can say we hate Noel without you hearing it. Yeah, another. How many gifts that is? <laughs> um, all right. Uh, let's see. Uh, the, back to the notes. Thank you for joining us tonight, and thank you for joining us on. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, share. Uh, chat in the box so that we can chat back with you. You can email us at cultspopgo at gmail.com. And you can join our book club Facebook group, JD's Hero Complex Book Club. Every Tuesday night, we have a Zoom meeting where we will either discuss a book or a movie. And this Tuesday, tomorrow night, Tuesday night, we will be discussing... Um, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Volume 1. Um, so join us for that if that's your bag. We have an email. We have an email? We have an email. What does it say? Uh, from Christopher Goodnight. It's, so this is actually, he sent this to us back on December 13th. I remember. 
You remember? Did I, did we talk about this already? We talked about the fact that we were going to talk about it next time because uh, some stuff had come up and we started talking He's, about that. He says, hey, all seeing Spider-Man first thing Thursday. I even took off work to do it. I got to meet Daniel Warren Johnson last Wednesday. Oh, very cool. But had a whole ordeal getting there. Parentheses, Chicago. Um, he did. <laughs> he doesn't tell us anything about his meeting with Daniel Warren Johnson. He then continues, when you drop Chicago a book or when you drop a book or series, do you feel bad for giving up? I'm quitting a bunch of stuff due to the fact that it usually piles up because I couldn't care less if I read it right away. Chris Saint Saucy, good night. So yeah, man. Uh, I feel bad. I'm constantly trying to catch up with books that I should probably just drop, but I know eventually I'm going to have the issues there and I'm going to read them like um, Supergirl by Tom King or Rorschach by Tom King or Strange Adventures by Tom King. I have <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man, which comes out freaking weekly now. So it's hard for me to keep up mm. a bunch of books that I would like to keep up with. And um, I should probably drop but eventually I'll get there. And if I feel like if I drop a book, I don't know that I feel terrible about it because that's why I'm dropping it, right? I, I've gotten to the point of, I don't care about this, so why am I spending time on it? So if I'm at that point, then I'm not worried about it. Noel, what do you think? Uh, I don't feel bad dropping books at all um, because it's just, usually I'll be dropping it because I either want to read it in a different format or I don't, enjoy reading it anymore so i don't feel i don't feel any way about it other than i'm going to reallocate those funds into something that i'm enjoying reading on a weekly basis or a monthly basis there are some things that i drop explicitly because i'd rather read it collected there's some things that i drop because uh i'd rather have it on my shelf like mm -hmm. um uh, i'm trying to think of a good example but like you know six issues in and it's an image book. And I know like, oh, there's going to be a hardcover collection. I'd rather have that in a year than mm. have it keep falling down in the stack every month. Stuff like that. So like I never feel bad because a good story always finds its way. Um, there's stuff that I've dropped halfway through a run and then would picked up later. Um, but I realized a while ago that if I just keep getting it, just keep getting it in perpetuity and it piles up. It, it keeps piling up, but then it piles up behind other things that are piling up and it becomes much more cumbersome and um, stressful than just having a stack of trades. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to pare down because I can't, I've got so many like piles mm -hmm. of books that are of issues that are stacking up or piling up yeah. month over month. And yeah. it's not like I have enough space in my world to always have like, well, this is the amazing Spider-Man pile. And this is the Tom King. Pot. So they all just go everywhere because yeah. I don't have a real time organization system. Same. So I'd rather just knock it, like drop the book and or read it in collected editions later because collected editions for stuff that I don't feel vital about reading are easier to manage. I um, speaking of which, I have an entire stack, 30, 30 odd issues of War of the Bounty Hunters to catch up on. <laughs> um, the reason I was smiling, Noel, is because as you were answering that question about being stressed, Dan H. in the comments said, do you ever get stressed by your backlog of books? Yes, uh, I do it. But I do it looking at my show. So like this shelving unit behind me, I was one in front of me, too. And almost every night 
much like some people scroll Netflix trying to figure out what they want to watch. I stand up here and I stare at my shelves thinking like, what have I finished? What do I want to continue tonight? What do I want to start that I've always wanted to start because I've got so many things that I just want to read. So it's like, is this going to be a, a night that I read like two issues of Legion or am I going to continue with Sandman tonight? Or maybe I'll do one of each or maybe I'll like, it's, yep. I will sit up here for 10 minutes and just stare and figure out what I want to read. So yeah. I try not to get stressed about it, but yeah, yeah it's a little stressful sometimes. Brian. Um, no, I never feel bad about chopping a book. Uh, there are some books that I, I don't know, the last to ever go kind of books like Flash or Superman or whatever, you know, that even if I haven't read them because I haven't gotten to them for a long time to not be picking up Flash or Superman or Green Lantern or something is, you know, uh, almost unthinkable. But, um, but other books... I oftentimes will stick with them for a while. And then, yeah, if I haven't read them for a while, then I obviously don't want to read them. I don't care about reading them. So why force myself to read that thing? Um, the thing that always comes to mind with that is not a comic at all, but the show Family Guy. I noticed at one point that I had, I don't know, however many episodes on my DVR. And I was like, I have no interest in watching these. <laughs> and I guess I'm done watching Family Guy. <laughs> And that was and that was the end of me watching Family Guy, really. Yeah, you know, that's a really good point. Like it, it happens with shows, too. Like before we started recording, we were just talking about The Flash and how I just jumped back in and wanted to enjoy it like I used to. And was like, yeah. I, I dropped this personally. I dropped it for a reason. I don't enjoy it anymore. Hmm. So I it was almost like validating my personal decision to no longer watch the show, because sometimes it's just you have to drop shows. There's yeah. enough shit. Yeah. Exactly. There's plenty of stuff to watch. And I think that's a good enough reason is if you didn't feel like watching it for however many episodes, then you obviously don't want to watch it you know, or you don't want to read it or whatever. So just don't and yeah. do something else, you know, whether it's read something else or just do another thing. You know, there is there is a sense too about. Um, so we've only we've only really been talking about the stuff that we're willing to drop. That's, I guess, big two ish. Um, I will sometimes explicitly hold on to independent books that I have pulled because they need the sales a lot more than like, yes, the right. fifth X book that's in my yeah. fucking yeah. stack. Um, so I'll hold on to and get those in issues. So like, even though I have and prefer the hardcovers for like something is killing the children or, uh, once in future, mm -hmm. I actually dropped something's killing. Um, I I actually did drop that like after the first arc. Um, huh. I don't get in singles anymore. I was I was I was reading it in large chunks. Um, oh, you! I'm sorry, you dropped it in singles. You're still going to buy the. But I still buy the yeah. I still the buy questions. the singles in Once in Future because that book doesn't have as much like heat as a bunch of the other ones, and it's like I want this mm. to finish, so I will yeah. just keep reading that. Sorry. Nice. Uh, down in the comments, Mars Comics says, I drop books all the time. There's always more. That is true. Um, and uh, let's see. Todd Angle says, I should drop all the X books because they are mostly a bunch of terrible people with highly questionable values. I have dropped all the X books, Todd. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I just stopped. I was so into it. And I was like, man, I haven't been this into the X-Men since Joss Whedon wrote it 
or Grant Morrison wrote it. Those are my favorite yeah. X books. And like, I haven't been into it for a long time. And I was so excited to be into the X-Men again. And boy, did they just slowly drive that whole corner of the Marvel universe off a cliff for me. It was just, uh, mm. there was so many books to keep up with. And even the ones that I was genuinely enjoying, like Excalibur, I eventually just did. The, I guess I did the Family Guy thing that Brian was talking about, where I was just like, I guess I, I guess it's too far gone for me to catch up. Maybe I don't care anymore. Mm. Um, and now, you know, especially with, uh, I guess I kind of expected there to be a through line with Hickman, and he just left. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, well, it happened pretty quick with them. No. Guys, um, if you only read the Hickman stuff, there is a full story thread, not the 15 other books. And yeah. it's ending now with Inferno. Like if you had just read Hawks Pox and then his X-Men and then now Inferno, it literally is a continuation of all the Moira stuff and not the... Some of it's fascinating with the resurrections, with the religions, with the... Um, the the marauders with the trades or with the hellfire trade oh, groups. Did I say like, it's all interesting marauders. i'm sorry it's all interesting but the only like the full thread line of what he started is only in his books it seems so you could have easily just only done those and not worried about anything now else. inferno's been Infer great is inferno the end of it it's the end of his kind of play right now so like it it, yeah. it is reading like a sequel to Hawksbox, where it's addressing all of the Orcus stuff, all of the Nimrod stuff, um, the Mystique and Destiny stuff. Like it's it's literally like the end of the big phase, okay. and then he's going off and doing something else for Marvel, and he has not explicitly said that he's not coming back at some point. I so. I will try to catch up on Inferno though. That you've you've piqued my interest. You wrote, yeah. You could literally not have read anything else other than Hawkspox and just pick up Inferno. There's I am I am getting the I'm I still like uh, Kate enough that I'm getting the pop vinyl when it comes out of like her hmm. with the <coughs> tattoo knuckles knuckle tattoos. Um, so I feel you, Todd Angle uh, and Dan H. I think we already responded to you. Do you sell books? Oh, I'm sorry. This is a different question. Do you sell books that you aren't going to reread? I know yeah, this guy I does. Have never sold a comic in my life. <laughs> never sold a comic. Never. That's weird because you work at a comic shop part time. Yeah, but I never. <laughs> here's what I would do: I would judge them as a person, and I would either give them away for free, yes. or I would beat them with the comics until they left the yeah. store. Gotcha. So I was never wondering why yeah. my never comics were rolled into <laughs> into. Yeah. Puppy beating fashion. And there were so many because it had to be the one that they wanted to buy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, bringing uh, out was a totally different process for Brian than it is for Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It was more of a judgment. <laughs> um, I, I do sell. I do sell uh, single issues sometimes to fund other books. Sometimes I'll read an omnibus and I know I'll never read it again. So I'll sell it for cost sell it to, to fund me. other stuff. Sometimes, yeah. You've yeah, taken sometimes some Sometimes he sells it to me because I'm like, I'll read that. Um. In the same, oh, I'm the same JD says Mars Comics. I was getting every last X book, but little by little, it just got to be too much. And they were not that great, really. I have never sold one of my comics either, Brian. I have well over 10,000. I, I really should, says Mars. I don't know. I like to hold on to things personally. I got a lot yeah. of stuff and I like to have it. Um, also grudges. 
<laughs> I hold on to them. But like all those people who tried to buy comics in your store. Uh, also, Mars Comics, point of fact, it is B-R-I-A-N. I don't know about those Y Yeah. I don't know what's going on with that. I'm going to change your name now. Let's let's uh let's talk about a comic book that came out this week. It'll be called what is it was it still is timeless number one Marvel Comics written by Jed McKay art by Greg Land Mark Bagley and Kev Walker. Progressively got better in artists. (laughs) How do you win a war against time? A special year-ending adventure that gives portents as to what's to come in the Marvel Universe over the next 12 months. Kang the Conqueror is a warrior, a destroyer, a subjugator, but even he is subject to the whims and vicissitudes of time itself. So when a parallel timeline threatens to overwrite the future Kang has fought so long and so hard to control, the master of the ages has no choice but to go to war with time itself battling through days of tomorrow as he struggles to prevent the end of what is to come. Um, it's another Kang book. Doodly do. I don't care so much. Bop, bop. I just, for some reason, Kang is not an interesting character to me. I liked the portrayal in the Loki TV show because he was kind of bonkers and fun and a little very over the top and he chewed a lot of scenery, so it made him an interesting watch. But as far as Kang, the the, the comic book character is concerned. I have no emotional connection to him. I don't quite understand where he exists, which each version of him exists in the timeline. And I don't care to find out. So um, this was fine enough. The only reason I was looking forward to reading it was the end. Spoiler alert. There's the Miracle Man. No, Marvel Man. Miracle the Marvel. Man. Wait, Miracle Man? Yeah. I think he has gone by both names, but the... For like rights reasons, yeah. Um, but I think Miracle, Miracle Man, Man is the is the um, the one that they will be using. Oh, okay. So yeah, the Miracle Man logo shows up. So it's and I saw like articles about it. Oh, here's why you should care about Miracle Man and blah blah blah. And uh, I, I read the issue and I was like, Are you kidding me? That's really one. It's just the logo at the end of the issue. Cool. It didn't even okay. say that he was coming. It's just no. you had to have read a, an article about it. To know yeah. that, you know. So I mean, I, you know, them putting his logo in there, you kind of jump to the conclusion of like he'll probably show up at some point in the six one six. It's a weird um, way to show it, even in story, though. Especially yeah. when you've got a story that is showing a bunch of other stuff, and like, why would he have that? Would he yeah. draw it in his book? I guess the, so, yeah. but it's That's like a weird the best page. Yeah. You're showing the best page of the book, just ripped pitching Kevin Walker. Kang. Kevin Kevin Walker, I like his art a lot. Um a and lot. He, he did a good job on this. Hmm. Um what did you think of it, Brian? I liked it. I like Kang. I like Kang a lot. Um oh. I would say Kang is like I like 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 him. Is oh. Kang your boyfriend? Should I pass no. him a note at lunch? <laughs> no. Yes, Katie, you can do tell, that. Yeah. <laughs> Kang, do you like me? Check yes or yes. <laughs> oh, no choice for Kang. <laughs> no. He's everywhere. It's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh no, I like Kang a lot. I've always he's one of my favorite Marvel villains. Um, what? even though I haven't seen him too much. I just always like when he shows up. He's got a cool look and he travels in time. He's from the far future. And then you throw in the Council of Kangs, which is like a later thing. Um, 
Yeah, I'm all about him. And is, there's, is uh, he actually Nathaniel Richards? Is he like so? There Doc, are Doc Richards' kid. No, although he's probably descended from Doctor Doom and maybe Reed Richards or maybe both. But there have been in his very first appearance, they wonder if he's descended from Doom, and then it comes up later that he uh, might be descended from Reed Richards, uh, and it, it's one of those mystery things. Yeah, it's not super a mystery anymore because. Um, uh, Dan Slott History of the his, Marvel Universe Dan Slott in the 60th anniversary oh. issue that that really excellent bound issue I think it was issue 35 it's just a Kang story it's like an event a Kang event in just one issue oh. um, Reed was able to get into the fortress of Kang's because only those with the genetic code are able to enter so they oh. they kind of just dropped that uh, continuity nugget just like yes there is some sort of ancient shared bloodline or mm. genetic code between Reed and uh, Kang but it's super far removed and I think it has more to yeah, do yeah. with uh, Reed's father Nathaniel yeah that was one of the things there was something with like he went to an alternate timeline and then had other kids or, or something there's been you know so many different things oh um, I'm sorry, I forgot about this double page spread. We're flipping through for anyone uh, listening on the audio version. I'm flipping through the book on screen and um, I kind of forgot this double page spread wherein it tells us little snippets of stuff that's coming like Punisher yeah. with his new logo. We've got a Mary Jane Spider-Man, etc. And, and a female possibly Storm because of the white hair, Black Panther and their past association. Although I was- Yeah, and was um, the Winter Soldier taking down Captain America. Oh, yes. Interesting. And Dormammu's I, son taking down Dormammu. Yep. Yeah. I am. Um, I want I'm more sorry, of this. Brian, are you are you finished? Because I had oh, some thoughts about actually, this Actually, just too. this this page. Um, I thought the story was cool, but going into it thinking it was going to be one of the, you know, big two, here's a framing device that shows you what we're up to for a little yeah. while kind of stories. There was surprisingly little of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um and I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing, except that I thought that that's what this was, having seen the spoiler and all that stuff and and some of these things ahead of time. But uh, overall, I was like, oh, it was a cool Kang story. And he brought this guy along. That was cool. And, and the reason why, you know, because he's like, you wrote a book saying that Doom is the greatest villain. Not yeah. so. <laughs> Let me yeah. show you why. How, how petty is that? Right. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, I, uh, the biggest reason why I liked this book, um, was, is essentially for that same reason. I thought it was going to be some like piss poor anthology style book with a very, very thin framing device, which like a thin framing device. And then 10 previews, uh, by different artists and writers, uh, you know, but this was an actual cohesive story that wove those kind of sneak peeks into the framework of this. And I like, alone it, it was just i think it did alone it, we, it was just it was one page it was like one double am i missing something it was like one double page spread of the, like the plot glimpse. the plot itself i think is going to be kind of important the idea mm-hmm. of rogue timelines trying to reassert themselves into yeah okay uh, like okay. the king approved so it really is just a one shot that has implications and they sprinkle in rogue timeline kind of information which i thought was really cool this was this was like you know pure comic books, but done pretty well. Why did make... Why did Reed make Infinity Gems his eyeballs? Well, he was like, "I got these Infinity Gems. 
And why not put them in my eyeballs instead of my eyeballs? <laughs> what else would one do with Infinity Stones? Right. <laughs> Wait, which ones are they? Are, aren't Don't they? It's the... Like reality and time, it. I believe. Yeah, t- to be able to see through timelines. Yeah. The two that, like he can he can perceive beyond uh, dimensions or something because the two working together. He didn't say any of that. He just said, I replaced my eyes with the time and reality stones to force my will upon the timeline. Brother, you could have done that with a with there a glove. Go. To force my will upon the timeline. Um, I've been reading a lot of Judd McKay lately and his shit's good. This is fun. Yeah. I like this a lot. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't, I'm not mad at it. I wasn't overly <laughs> bored. Um, I just, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those, I think it's a, uh, my expectations. When I saw it originally, I only ordered a couple copies for my Kang the Conqueror. Cause originally, I'm sorry, previously, Kang the Conqueror had a mini series just the last couple of months, the last few months. And so I had subscribers for that. And when I saw this solicited, I was like, ah, it's another Kang one shot. I'll just get this for my Kang stands. My Kang peeps. And so I got it for them. What's that? My Kang, my Kang peeps. My Kangers. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My Kangos. Kangophiles. My Kangaroos. Um, uh, and then I was like, oh, is it, gonna, is it actually supposed to be one of those big like Marvel Now type things? And so then I was even it's, more confused. And then I read oh, it and yeah. I was like, oh, no, it's not. It's just a Kang story. With yeah. I think, one it, I think it kind of. I think it kind of is like it yeah. wants to be like yeah. when when or if this is collected, it's going to be attached to whatever the event is for this. Hmm. Uh, like, yeah, actually, um, that makes sense. Yeah, like this. This is essentially Marvel 1000, which was the opening salvo of all the Empire stuff. Yeah, where it introduced the Katati. And I wonder if these things will have. Is this just a Marvel Universe uh, ad, or is this like these things will in some way play in? Especially the page after this that says Judgment It's just Day. an ad. This is this just is an ad. Time yeah. marches on across the Marvel Universe. It the road forward that. winds through these upcoming storylines. These are just stories that are happening. I don't think there's anything to do with this. So what about this next page, though? Judgment Day is coming, Avengers, X-Men, and some other... Eternals. What that logo is. Is that the Eternals? That's Eternals, yeah. And oh, Eternals. Thank you. I didn't know what that yeah, was. Yeah, I had no idea yeah. what that was. Um, I think in, in the, because I spent, I read the solicitations in the last two days. Um, I think uh, in issue 10 of Eternals, Mc, uh, Gillen, sorry, Kieran Gillen is like setting up an Avengers versus Eternals thing. Oh, so they're kind of. I'm okay with that. I would like to see them interact with more characters because yeah. they're not enough on their own for me. Uh, has anyone been reading the Kieran Gillen stuff? Because the end of the first trade is just uh, big excellent big reveal. And it's just it? really, really fun. I, yeah. I liked the first few that I read. I just kind of fell off. But I like the Eternals, Same. so I was going to keep uh, at least for the first. There, uh, there's a volume one is in the shop if you want to put it in your box. Uh, I oh. think I already have it, actually. You son of a bitch. <laughs> Um, oh, also Kang, along with Kodos, is a sci-fi name that repeats, like, in various media. There's a Kang and a Kodos in uh, Star Trek, and then both, of oh. course, in The Simpsons, which I'm sure got it from one or the other. You know, the two aliens, <laughs> Kang and Kodos. I just don't know if it was the Marvel Kang or the Star Trek Kang, who is uh, Klingon, I Probably a little bit of both, or a little Could bit of be. everything, yeah. just like all things yeah. Simpsons is. And Mars yeah. Comics, yes, I have... I've been a really big fan of Jeb, Jed McKay for a little while now. I've been powering through all of Black Hat and 
I finished volume four the other night and volume five I have ordered through my local mm-hmm. comic shop. I can't wait. It's really, really good. Yeah. Uh, that's a, see, that's one of those series that I wish I had kept up on because I was enjoying the issues that I read. I was really surprised when I saw that Black Cat was getting her own comic. I was like, oh, man. <sighs> it's really good. And then I read a couple of issues. And I was like, oh, you snap, did, this is really good. Did you I just not want you just didn't want her to have her own comic? <laughs> you were I disappointed just, by it. Uh, I've read her books before and I didn't care. Uh. <laughs> so uh, it was around the time where there was like a Gwen Stacy book had just happened. Um, mm. Mary Jane got an issue, got a, you know, got her own miniseries. Um, and then Black Cat. And it, was, it just felt like, oh, we're going to give a, a book to every single um, Spider-Man. Girlfriend, essentially. Yeah. Girl, yeah. yeah. I wasn't going to say girlfriend. I was going to say like side I, character. Paramore. I mean, they've all three of those people have been. Someone girlfriend. just tried to get Paramore. in my store at quarter of 10, 10 of 10 at night. Hmm. So weird. Um, um, all right. Yeah. Sorry. No. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to Swamp Thing Green Hell number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Lemire, with art by Doug Monkey. The Earth is all but done. The last remnants of humanity cling to a mountaintop island lost in endless floodwater. The parliaments of the green, the red, and the rot all agree. It's time to wipe the slate clean and start the cycle of life over again. And to do so, they've united their powers to summon an avatar, one of the most horrific monsters to ever stalk the surface of this forsaken planet. Nice little pun there. Against a creature like that, there can be no fighting back. Unless you have a soldier who understands the enemy. Someone who has used its tactics before. Someone like Alec Holland. Of course, it would help if Alec Alec, Alec Holland hadn't been dead for decades. Alec Alec Holland. Alec Alec Holland. Alec Holland. So, uh, I was excited about this because Doug Monkey is a master at monsters. He's a he's a monster. He's a mad monster, madman master. Ma- he's so mad mo- monster master, master monster man. Um, he, he got his start on books like The Mask uh, and indie books like that. And uh, he draws. He, he, I remember back in the day for Wizard Magazine, he had done a How to Draw Monsters tutorial. Uh, back when they used to have tutorials in Wizard, back when they used to have and Wizard. Wizard. <laughs> and, and, uh, uh, so I was really excited because I felt like his DC work had grown a little homogenized, a little boring. And uh, I was like, oh, I hope he gets to draw some gross monsters and some gore. And boy, howdy. I was not let down. I was reading this in the shop while Noel was here yesterday. Staring and I was, at him. I was hooting and hollering. I was like, ooh, grah, disgusting. That's gross. I love it. So uh, it's a good looking book. And the the story itself is quite interesting. I didn't know where it was headed, although I did know who was in the lighthouse. I kind of guessed that ahead of time. Mm. Um, and then my my second, um, or I guess Noel's idea of who was in the lighthouse. Yeah, I was reversed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but um, man, this was a lot of fun. I really like this. Basically, we've got an apocalypse has happened. Uh, most of the world is water, and we've got a select group of people who are living on a mountaintop which is basically just a tiny island now because that's how high the water level is and um basically you've, you've got warring tribes and and the the um sort of the interpersonal drama of i guess it's his wife's 
husband's brother. his like brother-in-law is leading the the shitty tribe and he's there with the peaceful tribe and they're trying to figure out what to do because they're trying to be pacifists and the other ones keep knocking on their door seven um seven samurai style and stealing all their their goods and whatnot um and then we've got the green the rot and the red who are down in the well i don't know where would you call that um ocean they're in the air sure they're just in the air in the earth I guess and they're, they're like, around. They're all over because mo- I think these mothers got to go. Let's yeah, just yeah. we've had the humans here enough. We get us wipe them out. So then um, uh, I was surprised that the next avatar was actually the shitty dude. And uh, me too. We find out who's in the in the lighthouse. It's exactly who I thought it was. And I was tickled. I was pleased to see him. What did you think? No, oh. uh, I I loved this. Yeah, I don't. I don't I'm I'm super hit or miss, like maybe batting 450 when it comes to Jeff Lemire, less more miss than hit. I, I just his stories usually just don't compel me, but Doug Monkey is one of my favorite artists. His lines are so thin and sketchy and sinewy, like mm-hmm. even when he does beauty, it almost looks grotesque, but not in a yeah. not in a disgust, not in a polished shiny shitty ethan van skyver way more in a because it like when i say grotesque ethan van skyver's figures even his heroic figures just look gross whereas this is gritty and i love it yeah yeah um but uh yeah i mean i was just riveted the whole time and then as soon as Mm -hmm. as soon as the green took the shitty guy and turned him into his avatar. I was like, Oh, this is going to be a straight up just monster movie. And that's great. They go to the lighthouse and I'm like, oh, is it Alec Holland in that lighthouse? Is it Alec Holland? And I was just like, I was excited to see him. And then it's, we're spoiling it. We're spoiling it. Of course. Sure. Spoiler alert. Um, it's fucking John Constantine, old grizzled, uh, smokers, cough of a, smokers cough of a human. That is yeah. John Constantine. Um, and I was like, Holy shit. That makes perfect sense. Uh, Constantine versus an evil uh, uh, member of the Parliament of the Green. This will be a cool story. Uh, I guess I was wrong about Alec Holland. Two pages later, he yeah. resurrects Alec Holland. So now it's <laughs> it's almost like old school. I mean, it was just so fucking obvious after the fact. And I'm just so gnarly. I'm, I'm glad not only was it obvious, but I'm glad that I was so... I was enjoying the story so much that I didn't realize how fucking obvious it was until it happened. Does that make sense? Like you don't have to tell me a new story, but tell me like at least an interesting one and I'll forgive you any of the telegraphed moves. Right. I like this a lot. This was really, really fun. Well, the only way I was able to put it together, I mean, it was really just a guess on my part. It's not like there were any clues as to who was going to be in that. It could have been anybody. Uh, It was just like, who is a character that is intrinsically linked to Swamp Thing in such such a way? um, And who would I like to see in there? And I was like, oh, I I hope it's I hope it's uh, John Constantine because he's my guy. I believe Um, your words were five dollars. It's John Constantine. Oh, yeah. I was like, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um look how gnarly this page is look look at that doug monkey grotesquery Ugh. Yeah. now brian yes. you like the silver age you like your heroes a little a little uh brighter cleaner sparklier uh you're not usually a horror guy and i would label this a horror book at least visually, very much visually yeah, yeah. Well, how did you feel about it my boy uh well 
to respond to what to what you just said, like I like Swamp Thing and I like his, you know, um, I do like that DC horror, what they call horror um, yeah. kind of thing. Uh, so I was excited about this book, but found it boring. Oh, um, no. Yeah. I just was like, eh. Um, I have a, a weird thing with Doug Monkey also. I think he's really good. Uh-huh. And can you, you also. Stop there. Shut up there. <laughs> no, like when he was on Green Lantern, I was like, this is awesome. But uh, his art is all that you guys say. It's like, it's grittily realistic, you know? And it's, there's a, um, it hangs you up when you're, when you're looking at it sometimes. Uh, for me, it does anyway. Um, like Noel was talking about the very, it like doesn't move me through the story. It's too real. Oh. Um and it, it, but I also really like it. Like it's not, uh, that's not a condemnation. Uh, however, as far as condemnations go, the storyline, the whole like reason for it to kick off, I didn't, I didn't think it made any sense. They're like the three, the rot, the red, and the green are like, oh, under the water isn't good enough for us. We need above you know we got to get rid of these humans above the water even though that's a smaller and smaller percentage of the earth and i'm like why why is under the water not like there's a lot of plant and animal life and decay under the water as well why is that a thing um and it was just assumed as a thing and also the rot can't go against them the rot makes its business going against them like that's all it does have yeah time. but there has to be things to rot yeah, yeah and there's no there's currently no avatar for the actually there's a shitload of things to rot under the water no, no avatar know? for the rot um i think he says something like but the rock cannot act alone the rot serves the red the rot serves the green and they have talked before about how all three of them are in harmony yeah so i don't have that much of a problem with that you know like all right they you know the rod before the avatar was acting out of line. And so like Swamp Thing had to put down. I've, I've, game, you know? I read that. Um, I read that exchange more so as just humanity making shit worse constantly. Yeah. And now they're at a smaller, they have a smaller footprint. So it's time to just start over get rid of them. You know what uh, it is? Not the so rot much. Is not a logistics. pescatarian. It's carnivore. Well, mm. They say all of us are weakened, but still much life below the water. Below water, not enough. Not the balance. Yeah. Need Green. more rot. I guess. But, um, you know, there was that. But then the rest of the story goes on, and I was surprised that the bad dude becomes the Avatar <laughs> of the Green. And then I was like, oh, right, of course, because they're out to wipe out humanity. They want a guy yeah. who's a bad dude. Um, and Constantine and Alec Holland showing up at the end. That's cool. I'm down with that. Um, I probably won't read another one of it, but I was interested in where the story ended you know to see where where this issue ended i mean and where it's leaving the story going forward yeah there's a lot I'm of things actively excited i i'm nice. i'm personally actively excited too but honestly if you had described to me all of the um all these things on paper most of them are not things that i enjoy like i think doug monkey's the only thing on i like i kind of like swamp thing but i only like him contingent on who's writing him not a giant mm. fan of of jeff yes. lemire uh horror books i have a love-hate relationship with like there's on paper this shouldn't really work for me as a reader but something about it like it just it just flowed for me i really i really enjoyed it 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess besides Doug Monkey, that's kind of the only reason. And I like a good Swamp Thing story, but he is not a guy who holds my attention for long. Mm-hmm. Um, he's Swamp a guy who show. Yeah, he's a guy who shows up. Uh, and I get excited, not uh, not reading an ongoing story about him. Uh, I feel like what has to be, what is interesting to me to be said about him has been done. Until someone proves me wrong. So uh, let's move on to Devil's Reign from Marvel Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, with art by Marco Cicciato. Wilson Fisk has set the Marvel Universe on a dangerous and violent and also... Repetitive path, hoping to remake it in his own image, systematically leveraging the power of his office against the heroes of the Marvel Universe, Fisk takes his most dangerous and craven step yet. The Thunderbolts are reporting for duty. And his honor isn't the only one with ambitions. The forces he's marshaled, he's marshaled do as well. You know what they say about honor among thieves. What do they say? They say that it exists. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't so, read this sometimes issue. sometimes they say it doesn't exist. Oh. Yeah, they say both of those things. Which one do you think the, the person who wrote this means? I think the person who wrote this is uh, uh, only a tangential understanding of what this comic is about. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I read the first issue, and uh, I love me some Marco Cicchetto. I do usually enjoy Chip Zdarsky. This all feels very been there, done that. I was meaning to read the second issue because I was at least interested enough to do that, but um, I had to feed my son and my wife, so I made dinner instead of that. Uh, Noel yeah. said that it was good, though. Talk about that. Uh, it was good to me. Uh, I, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised uh, by how re- redundant... No, reductive? Not reductive. Um, it has a lot of very similar on the no similar beats to civil war. Yeah. But the story and the participants in the story know that very well and keep making decisions based off what they learned then. And I, I just find that funny and fun, you know, like a perfect example is the, the uh, Tony Stark of it all. He's like, I'm going to run for mayor and I'm going to do this. And everyone kind of puts him in a room and is just like, that won't work because you're a white rich guy. It's going to be Luke. Like things like that. Yeah. Like there's it's almost the story itself knows that it's repetitive, uh, that it's a conflict, a similar conflict that they've dealt with before. And they kind of kind of keep swerving into it. And I enjoy that. I enjoy it a lot. And I really, really dug the. The little um, uh, Doc Ock uh, teaser at the end. The oh, you would too, JD. You would also enjoy that. Um, Yeah, it is the new Fantastic Four: the uh, Wolverine, Ghost Rider, and the Hulk. A Hulk, Spider Man. um, uh, No, he's not in this particular. But maybe Doc Ock will be filling that role. I think Doc Ock fills that role. So essentially, he they they um, capture. They're able to like, which we can argue if that's even fucking possible. Being able to quickly get Reed and Sue off the board. Yeah, bullshit. 
Probably not. But, <laughs> yeah. but like for the purposes of the story, it's just like <laughs> yeah. cool. But then I also did really enjoy seeing prison read. <laughs> I was like, cool. That's funny. Um, uh, but Doc Ock has the access to all of their shit at the Baxter building. And he's like, well, Phil Wilson Fisk is such a fucking idiot because here I am with a gate to multi dimensions. I'm going to, I'm going to grab my fantastic four. And he essentially just grabs different versions of Otto. One's a Hulk. One's oh, you a think there are other arm. versions of Otto? They all have four arms of, or they all have like eight limbs. All oh, of them they do. do. Oh, that's, I only noticed oh those on the Hulk. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is fucking ridiculous. And I love it. This yeah, is that, stupid that as hell. Cool. It's great. Oh, um, yeah, I like this issue better than the last issue. The last issue, the like repetitive nature of things. I was like, this is all that it is. Um, yeah. This issue had other stuff going on, um, it, including them going to a like the sub basement of Avengers Mansion, yeah. where they have all their stuff. Including, I like the fact personally that Tony Stark keeps old classic versions of his armor everywhere he has ever been. There is, <laughs> it's always, it's not any of the newer ones that he keeps around. He's like, you know, I'm going to keep that old one around. Yeah. He's a billionaire. He just sheds shit everywhere. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's yeah, always yeah. that classic Iron Man style. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, that was the one he had like, the most I like of. seeing this. Yeah. 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 He had a lot of those because he wasn't branched out yet. Um, um, I do like to, this is in, this is like current continuity too. So the Spider-Man is Ben. Um, yeah, there is an instance cool. where uh, I think Miles is with the group and they're like, are you guys, are we, are we waiting for OG? Cause he's yeah, yeah. like, he's not here yet. Like we put a call out for Spider-Man and then you see kind of like Ben, like they asked for Spider-Man, but do they know that I'm not the, mm. it's a, it's, this is just, I, I, this is strong to me. Like I really enjoyed this. Yeah. He he. Yeah. also, in this scene, Spider-Man, uh, like he's going up against Taskmaster and they get a power inhibitor collar on him and then he falls out of the, you know, whatever 30th story window that he's on and he hits this car and then they show that the collar is broken. So I wonder if this fight is not over yet. We just, the issue ended. Because why else show that that's broken? Um, oh, I do have a point of fact where... <laughs> Uh, or at least a question. So Tony's not running, right? Because they're like, yeah. eh, it's just two rich people against each other. And they're like, we think it should be Luke. Captain America is right there. <laughs> Do you <laughs> not think Captain America would be a good candidate? I mean, for, you know? one for one, maybe, maybe not. But like, <laughs> they uh, they trace it back to the last issue where he went viral with his little speech. And then this really uh, great scene, true. this really great scene that you've got on here on the screen of Tony tries to bribe these kids to delete a video. And they're like 200, 300. And Luke walks up to him and be like, Hey, you know who I am. You know what I do? Hmm. Trust me. We good. And they delete it right away. Yes, sir. Yeah. Like, it's just a, like they, they hammer home the inherent respect that the community just has for Luke. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, it's good character work. This is just all yeah. really fun. This is um this is a really good example of an uh an action movie that doesn't need to have any kind of like depth because it's just spectacle, but surprises you because it has some really nice. great character moments in like depth. You know, this is all fun. All right, I'll, I'll catch up. I'll read this. Nice. Um, so I made so uh, Joe Ray. Uh, who shops at the shop, he listens to the show and all that stuff. He was born in London and he just visited and he came back and he brought me 
some London treats, oh. some British treats. Uh, just chocolate. It's like little chocolates. Mm. See, Twix. However, That's the chocolate I know. However, yeah, a lot of these are the same same names as candies that we have here. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're different. So, like Milky Way, yeah. Milky Way in in Britain is basically mm. a um, uh, Three Musketeers. It's just chocolate and nougat. There's no caramel. No caramel. What the? <laughs> and then um, I'm trying. What do they call the Three Musketeers one? over there? Mars Bar uh-huh. is basically a Three Musketeers. Interesting. Um, whereas when I was a kid, Mars bars in America were basically what you would now call a Snickers almond. Is that right? Yeah. I never uh, ran across and, too many Mars bars. Oh, I used to they love them. They don't then, even have them anymore. No, they're, they're gone. Um, however, you can now get Snickers almonds. Um, oh, good. and I, while you were talking, Noel, I bit into a bounty without bounty. researching it, it is, and it's it just is. coconut. It's mounds, uh, right? Sure. Yeah. I don't like I don't so like that shredded gross. coconut candy. Now, JD, let me ask you: When you bit into it without researching, do you mean that you swallowed the whole? You bit the whole thing at once. You didn't take a half a bite and look at what oh, it no. was. No, I had, a, but even half a bite was too much. I understand it would be too much for me too. But I just wanted to know what your level of investigation was in this yeah. into this candy. I bit half of it, and then I was immediately. Uh, that's gross. I would have spit yeah. it out if it was me, and I mean uh. spit, not just. Put it out of you my would mouth huck it across the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that it sure. knew and everyone around me knew what I felt about it. Um, however, if you're out there and you can't send us London treats like yeah. Joe Ray does, you could. He also brought me a mug. Um, you could uh, go to www.patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo. You can help out the show that way by selecting one of the tiers and uh, giving us your hard-earned cash. If you don't have any hard-earned cash, if it's if it's not hard-earned at all and it's really... They just really came by it easily? Earned. What's that? Yeah, you just, you just came across it. It fell off a mm. truck. Give us more of it. If you don't have any, you can just um, like, comment, share, subscribe. Uh, tell the folks about the show. Come hang out with us. That's really all we want. Um, and uh, that's it. I guess that's it. <laughs> Let's move on to another book from this week. Ah, yeah, baby. The Human Target number three from DC Comics, written by Tom King with art by Greg Smallwood. Christopher Chance is a man on a deadline and working to solve a crime that might be unsolvable. Despite his better judgment, he's falling for his lead suspect, and her violent ex-boyfriend isn't happy about it. Oh, and that ex, (laughs) he's a Green Lantern. It's fine, it's Gnort, so it's not a big deal. Uh, He's a nice guy. He's able, yeah, Gnort shows up, and he's just like, oh, you like my ex-girlfriend? She's... Yeah. She's, like, I'm not too happy enjoy, about this, enjoy. but uh, that's, your, that's your guy's thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's a soy boy beta cuck, so he's just like, <laughs> sorry. By the What's way, every the- time I say this, it's a joke. I every don't want time. anyone new to the show to think like I'm actually one of uh, the douchebags. But I, but we I'm a different so many, kind of douchebag. But we've we've backed so many Indiegogo campaigns together. Are you sure <laughs> that you're Comics Gate? You're not. We're not CG. Yeah. Um, let me tell you guys right now. 
this book is great. Uh, man, uh, I really got to eat my hat when it comes to Tom King, because I really did not like his work on the Batman several years ago. And uh, ever since, and also, you know, I guess the end of, what was that called? Identity Heroes in no. Crisis. Heroes in Crisis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh boy. But wanna, ever since then, it. everything this dude touches has been gold for jadles. I've digging the shit out of it. And uh, this is probably one of the better books to come out recently. Um, Definitely more up my alley than Rorschach was, I think. Um, this is a hoot and a holler. It's a good time. Really enjoying uh, the sort of the, the, the mushing together of classic detective stories and DC Mwahaha from the Justice League International and the Greg Smallwood art. I got no bad things to say about this book. Uh, we're only three issues in, so who knows where it'll go. But as so far, it is every issue has been a delight i can't recommend it highly enough go to your lcs and pick up a copy what did you guys think brian um i'm into it i love it uh the art is phenomenal i really <laughs> just like this era of art you know what i mean like the era that greg smallwood is doing very very well um is uh is really cool and the way that he's doing it is awesome when, in the next page when he shoots at Guy and he just has Guy create like a little ring of Green yeah. Lantern energy, which any artist could do at any time. It just fits this in the low very well. And uh, so that's really cool. Um, the ice is captivating, <laughs> you know, both in writing and in art. And uh, that is not the easiest thing to do with a <laughs> with not a real person, you know. Um, also the way that he does her hair or just hair in general, but it's more obvious with hers cause it's longer. Uh, these just like lines with a block of color kind of around them. Mm -hmm. Um, no, it's not a block, but, uh, very well done. And, um, she looks like a paper cutout with, um, sort of silver pencil drawn on hmm. top of the paper. Yeah. Yeah. And she's very expressive as well. And so yeah. is he, like he's very expressive in general. Yeah. Um, Booster Gold, the way that Booster Gold is written is spot on and fits this story just fine, but it also fits Booster Gold's like, you know, more humorous interpretations uh, very well. Um, and I bagels. Yeah, yeah. Um, he uses the word schmear in an amusing way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forget what it was, but it was funny. Um, and yeah. Oh, and the, the pre-toasted thing is funny, yeah. too, where he's like, I, what would that even be? And on the way out, Ice is like, I think he pre-toasted those bags. I think he pre-toasted <laughs> Remember, like Booster says, if evil's fear, if evil's near, never fear, just get a schmear. Yeah, exactly. Fucking uh, gold. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and the Guy Gardner interactions are great. It fits yep. this detective story. It, just very well, like the the style of this detective story, which sometimes happens during the day, which is not when you would expect a story like this to take place, but it still really works well. Um, I, you know, it's Tom King, so I got to wait till issue 12 to see what he does with these characters <laughs> and if he has anybody do anything that I'm like, screw that, Tom King. But um, he's telling the story really well and I'm loving it. Oh, this Hal Jordan fake out was really cool, too. Do you buy that? Do you buy the I'm wearing a latex mask and a voice 
Yes, I do. Because Christopher Chance is involved. That's what he does. Right? Yeah. Like, that's, that's his, his whole, whole thing. thing. Yeah, yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, this is not just any run-of-the-mill Hollywood Adventures mask, JT. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Time right. story. Yeah. Right. This is, you know, um, everything you guys said, I'm on board. Um, this is probably my favorite book right now. Um, but it gets a ding for not having a end credits page like the other two issues. Oh, okay, you're right. It, yeah. A ding has dunged. Yeah, so this is uh this is now an A instead of an A plus. But that's just because you loved the end credits pages so much <laughs> that you miss their absence. Well, I I recognize yeah. them as being yeah, the yeah. Uh, tips over the edge of uh, right, right. from excellent to masterpiece, mm-hmm. and now it's just excellent. Ugh, All right, I guess that's fine. <laughs> nice little nice little thing here because when we find out later that he stole Booster Gold's Legion ring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's clear as day here too. They they I went back oh, yeah. and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. he's wearing the Legion ring. Uh, yeah. He waves goodbye in the next panel. The Legion ring is gone. Didn't notice it. Oh, that's cool. I didn't notice that either. Yeah. Um, I always have to go back and check stuff like that. This they should I what they what they should do is when this all all of this is over, all 12 issues are done by next year. Um just skip all of these stupid collected edition runs and just go straight to absolute. <laughs> just a large yes. slip cover oh. edition of this. Yes. In an 18 inch by 12 inch format, because yeah. much like uh, Mr. Miracle, this deserves just to go right to the Big most boys. prestige format. Yeah. Yeah. Did Mr. Miracle beautiful. do that? Not yeah. yet. They've yeah. had a soft cover, hard cover, deluxe hard cover, and. No, uh, no absolute yet. Never mind. That's one of the books that I'd like to finish. Mm. I thought you finished it for book club. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mr. Miracle. Uh, I was thinking of strange adventures. It's very good. You should read it. Brian, we're supposed to be doing another book club for strange adventures. (laughs) And Mitch Jarrett's the artist is supposed to be joining us on our, our uh, book. Oh yeah. I saw that. That's awesome. You should finish that before the book club. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> I need to reach back out to him because he hasn't gotten back to me recently. Ah, uh, yes, guys. Uh, this reminds right. me a bit of um, the animation of like early Looney Tunes and just various like fifties animated stuff. Yeah. No, not rotoscoping. Um, just the in the backgrounds and the general. I was art thinking style. that as well. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, we recently watched um, 101 Dalmatians. And if you look at the backgrounds here, very much they feel like sort of Disney backgrounds sometimes. Mm. Agree. Right? Yeah, I'm thinking of like the Brunhilde, the early Brunhilde Looney Tunes, or like the ones that don't have any particular characters um, mm. that we know of. And I love that animation style. Um, what was there was something when you mentioned 101 Dalmatians that I oh the Phantom Tollbooth. You guys remember the no. Phantom Tollbooth? Nope. Oh, it's one of my favorite animated films of all time it's amazing oh. good book too yes uh all right let's move on to stray dogs dog days number one from image comics written and arted by tony fleeks and trish forster a series of vicious sort stories howling straight out of the pages of stray dogs 2021 surprise cartoon slash horror smash hit in dog days each stray will get their moment to shine question will's Questions will be answered, mysteries will be solved, and old wounds will be torn open. Starting this December, 
every dog has its day. I did not read Stray Dogs. Oh, what a good so place I to jump in. Also didn't start Stray Dogs Dog Days number one. Uh, but I know that Noel, friend of the show, Noel Bartocci, has been championing the um, the Stray Dogs series since since Jump. How did you feel about this one shot, my brother? Um, it is for, well, for starters, it's readable without having read the miniseries, which is shocking, but it is, <laughs> it is, uh, it's like, readable. I read it. <laughs> what did you find confusing? It's just short I wasn't stories. I was confused of these. by anything. I was yeah. just like, Whoa, <laughs> why am I reading this without having read any of the other things? Well, I mean, most people wouldn't, but if right. this was going to ask as any kind of like, um, a teaser or a taste of the miniseries. It doesn't spoil the ending of that at all. Yeah. Todd Engel says, I must just say that Stray Dogs was the best thing I read in 2021 by far! Exclamation point. One shot, also good, but the graphic novel was really special. I'm hoping that mm -hmm. we'll do it for book club. Um, we should, no, remember to bring that up next time we have to vote for book club. Which is uh, tomorrow. To be fair, it does it does spoil the ending of the graphic novel when it tells you in text. <laughs> what, well, I'm not going to say it, but you, oh, okay. it, 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 it tells you in text what happens in the previously. Oh, I see what I that. Sorry. But if you don't read that, then you won't. Then it won't. It is, this is it's it's a um, they're like three to four page little and like little anthologies of each of the straight like you know stray dog characters in. The Stray Dogs miniseries. That's all. Um, I don't even know why they did that previously. It's Goody this, ninja. this, all of this is previously. So this is all just all of them, huh. uh, uh, cinema verite style or not cinema verite style, just uh, glimpses of their lives before they were uh, taken by this serial killer. Does uh, that for those, last one get taken? Is that somebody that you've met before? Uh, I, I almost don't remember. It's all been right. a while. The cool thing that I like about this series is um, the horror movie poster mm -hmm. alternate covers. So this alternate cover is a riff on the um, gosh. Um, creep show. Creep show. Yeah. Creep show one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is the creep show movie poster, but with the stray dogs text and uh, a stray dog very very cool i love when they do stuff like that yeah this series was series was fun and this is like a nice um one shot of little stories about the dog it's a thick boy thick book this yeah is... uh, these oh, are yeah. actually the all of these characters aren't even addressed here um i found the one with the cat heartbreaking it was it was it pretty was. heartbreaking yeah um uh, yeah, so the, the premise of Stray Dogs itself is that um, this serial killer finds his victims at dog parks or lures them with dogs of his own. And when he kills his victims, he takes their animals and they live on the farm with him. So he has this, you know, horde of stray dogs, like a kennel almost. And they like the story itself is about them being at this kennel with all these other strays. Um, but they have very poor long-term memories as dogs do. So the story itself is structured with one dog 
smelling her owner and remembering that this man is bad and trying to convince the others, even though they keep forgetting unless they have some sort of sense memory to trigger. So it's almost like, um, it's, it's structured like a closed room mystery where, you know, the characters don't move from their farm, Hmm. but slowly kind of revealing ways to trigger memories of others so that they all can together try and get out and or stop the bad guy. This it, it is really strong. It, it is. It, it looks like a Disney book, but it reads like a, like an Agatha Christie uh, short. Yeah. It's very good. Very, very, very good. cool. I it went to go seem... grab it off the shelf, but it looks like we sold it. Okay. Yes, we do. We always it like that seem... radiant black and department of truth. I just sell to everyone. <laughs> nice. um, yeah. It, it seems well done. And the juxtaposition of the, the art style and the content is um, an interesting choice. We were talking earlier about how I like the DC corner of horror and that kind of thing. If there is one kind of horror I do not like, it's regular people doing horrible things. Oh, yeah. Okay. I absolutely not. Like, um, I mean, I'm not a gigantic fan of regular people doing anything stories, you know? Uh, <laughs> those are, those are not. Life. Yeah. Now, actually, funny you should say that because I love slice of life stories like the Sandlot or whatever. You know, I mean, those are awesome. But I I just what I meant by that was I tend towards, you know, stories with some kind of fantastical or comedic or whatever it is kind of thing. Um, Not that those are the only stories I've ever enjoyed in my life. Just what I tend towards. But then, yeah, things about like humans doing horrible things just because they are people that do those things. I don't like that. You know, I don't want to read well, about I, it. I don't like reading about it. I, I like, I, th- to like, that's a, that uncomfort to some readers is a feature, not a bug. It is like, indeed. because that does, that also makes me very uncomfortable, but I'm always, I'm, I'm slightly drawn to that uncomfort or I want to know more, more about it as opposed to, sure. I don't, I don't read those. So yeah, yeah. I get that. I totally get that. Yeah. yeah, I have. Yeah, that's not uh, the way in which I like to explore the darker impulses. The, you know, that the kind human of condition of exactly terrible exactly. people. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of terrible Speaking people. Speaking of terrible people. Mm. DC versus vampires number three from... DC Comics, written by mm. James Tynan IV, Matthew Rosenberg, with art by Otto Schmidt. Vampires are hunting on the streets of Gotham City as the coming undead plague makes its first move. Batman's investigation into the disappearance of Andrew Bennett takes him into the sewers beneath the Hall of Justice, where he makes a stunning discovery. And the fall of another hero means the war for Earth has begun! Like it already this began. is fun. What's that, Brian? <laughs> I feel like it began earlier. Than this. Oh, wait, how, yeah. wait, Brian, how did yeah. you feel about the first panel of this fucking book being your favorite hero dead face down in the sand? Uh, I thought it was well done. It's a cool oh, look cool. at that. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, ah, oh, give me a bonus. Would you, would you? <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> I was aroused. I was aroused. I didn't understand why, but I loved it. I knew why. Um, no one of the reasons I was upset about Barry Allen being killed last issue was like hey you're taking him out this quick if you turn him into a vampire that would be cool (laughs) you know now he's just done I'm holding out hope for some other super fast vampire 
yeah, when you guys discussed it uh, the last time it had, it had come out, I had not read it in time. And so mm. I caught up so that I could read this issue. And uh, yeah, I got to read that that back and forth. And the fact that they don't make him a vampire, like Hal is like, I wanted you on my team, bro. Yeah, that like, is cool. I wanted you to on team vamp. I, I was pulling for you, but the higher ups were like, he will eat everyone. His metabolism is so bad that he'll just suck all of the people dry and uh, there'll be none for us. And I thought that was pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, Brian doesn't love the metabolism conversation. I think that we had it last time. We got into that in the last one. This one is a little different because he's not, he wouldn't necessarily be doing it to feed his speed force. He would just be like, I could eat. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's in a constant state of Yeah, I can eat. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean I could finish them off before they even know I was there. It's fine. Right. Like I, I have no moral quandaries about this. Uh let's do it. I I, I this book is fun as shit. I'm enjoying yeah, it a agree. lot. Um I like Otto Schmidt. Yes. His art. Mm, yeah. But there are some rough as shit panels in here. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I like the especially towards the end, like it almost feels a little rushed. There's um there's a couple of like reaction shots and scenes with the rest of the JLA that it's like ugh. like his uh sideburns um Super Sideburns Superman is yeah. such a weird decision. This the Look top at that sideburns guy. bottom left, but it's not even just like sideburns on Superman, just like the bottom here, like bottom of this like page. Jobs. What's going yeah. on with his yeah. face? Just so strange, and and even the the uh, the design he chose for for John Henry Irons, um, Irons, yeah. What's his? Yeah. That's his name, John Steel. Henry Irons. Steel, thank you, oh, Steel. Yeah, yeah. I was going for a superhero name. Okay. There's just a couple of like, and and then even maybe it really is just the end of this book. Like Aquaman looks like a weird surfer dude with a gold tank. Uh, like, yeah, the yellow just, is a weird choice for that too. There's yeah, a couple of, weird, like, yeah. again, I like Otto Schmidt. I loved yeah. uh, Hawkeye Freefall. I loved his Green Arrow run uh, with with Ben Percy. Like, I really, really like his art. But there was some there was some rough shit in this issue. And I just, I'm like, all right, I guess it's fine. Did you guys notice Black Canary has an emblem in this? Yeah, yeah that I was I have ever seen that before on Black Canary. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. The yellow stitching makes a little canary on her black leather. And I... I was going to, before this issue, I was going to bitch a little bit about like, okay, vampires, got it. What are the rules for these vampires? Because the the lore, there's a thousand rules depending on which vampire lore they're kind of going with. Hmm. And as soon as they had um, the turning scene with uh, Wonder Woman, I was like, ooh, cool. Like they're they're slowly revealing the rules of these vampires. Like these are vampires that have... Um, trance or that could uh, incite trances and hypnosis whereas some can't you know and some vampires are able to transmorph and some vampires so like i was wondering what the rules were going to be and i just kind of i really enjoy the like slow crawl of that um it could very easily become ridiculous depending on what they choose to do next but i'm kind of digging it i like the pace yeah i think it's a bucket of fun i was i was questioning this scene with wonder woman and how the fact that it cuts so like we don't see her turn. We just see him about to sink his teeth a little bit. Hmm. Um, I was waiting to discover that like she beat him or something like that. And when she shows up and she's hanging out with him, 
yeah and 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 lying um i was like oh shit i guess i guess he really did get her um yeah so i mean yeah. i think he's slowly gonna get a significant everybody? amount of the justice league if not everybody i wonder oh zatanna was a surprise too i was yeah. like oh that was fun that <laughs> zatanna i, I know, wonder I she was there to save him i wonder so i already forgot how um zan got killed I'm um, not sure that we have seen. Oh wait, I, I remember oh, Zan. a blender. He, uh, yeah, yeah. he turned him in, like he he did a oh, big construct of a blender right. and chucked a the fucker blender. in. Yeah, but I like this going on here. The um, Batman trying to do. I think Batman's on to the oh, Justice sure. League in general. He's uh, definitely but, on to Al. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. This is just fun, and I I this is this is a twelve issue series. Hmm. It's going so quickly it seems yeah like we're not even a th- we're so, this is a fourth of the way through like there might be a lot of stuff that happens after most people get turned into vampires and i then, wonder if they're going yeah. to so there's if they're gonna uh elseworld style it where they'll be able to save or turn a bunch back or if they're gonna go like full deceased and fucking just start killing people off and they're not coming yeah. back kind of way like I, I i wonder how this is gonna go I wonder That's about kind of the fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to see what happens, uh, especially considering that, yeah, this is moving pretty quickly. Very quickly. There was an old story where some vampires went to bite Superman and they couldn't because he was solar powered, which I always thought was ah! cool. Yeah. I always thought that that that's was pretty cool. cool. Like they can't do anything to him. Um, and that's, that's there's cool. no reason to think it, right? It's a very clever use of yeah. the whole comics thing. Uh, or, you know, like the comics knowledge thing. Um, I have no reason to think that they'll do that here, but I mean, it's fun. It's fun to do that. Here he's um, 1960s Italian-American. So that's pretty cool. Fucking, it's a really strange decision. Yeah. He, like, uh, just put a gold chain on him. Oh, and, and roll cigarettes in his sleeve. This is awful. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so Todd Engel commented below. It's a co- it's a bucket of fun, but the Wonder Woman turn was really fast. And you know what it is about the turns in this, um, the last two anyway, the one with Wally and the one with Wonder Woman, is that they're powerless to stop it. Wally. That the the horror. Well, ha- to stop me. his fate. Wait, when did Wally show up in this book? I'm sorry, Barry. Oh, 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 oh right. sorry. Last time, Barry was um, sitting in the chair that Green Lantern had mm-hmm. made, and unknowing to him, like Lantern was just sort of enveloping him in the Green Lantern before he could escape, uh, in the Green Power, I should say. Uh, and this one, Wonder Woman's aware of what's happening, but she can't stop it. it that, mm-hmm. Those are the, the moments that I think are sort of the most um, horrific to me, is that, that they know their fate, and they just can't stop Hal. It's it's kind of cool that way. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, it was pretty quick. This is a so, fun yeah. book. It, yeah, uh, it's, it's still it. very it's still very early on for people to jump on if they haven't yet. This is a really fun book. Agreed. Yeah. Between 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 this and Dark Knights of Steel and Deceased if it ever comes back, there's just so much like fun Elseworld style DC content right now. Because it's all really fun. I've only read the first issue so far of um, Dark Knights of Steel. Has that been going well as well? Yeah, the second issue was dope. Uh, three yeah. comes out tomorrow, I believe. Nice. All right. Uh, well, th- those are the week's comics. Uh, we're going to do a bit of gutter talking. 
uh, where we're just going to talk about some stuff that uh, is not comic book based. And uh, this week it's going to be The Matrix Resurrections, directed by Lena Wachowski and written by Lena Wachowski, David Mitchell, and Alexander Hamon. Hamon? And just as a, we're going to go through and we're going to quickly say what our history with The Matrix is. I saw The Matrix six times in the theater, the first time, or the first, its first release. And then I was overseas. I went to Scotland and it had just come out there as well. Uh, Cause it had already come and gone and I'd watched it and I was happy with it. And then uh, I went overseas and it was just releasing over there. And so I went and saw it again, a seventh time, I believe. Um, in, in Scotland. So I was really into that movie. I really enjoyed the first film. And then two and three were diminishing returns, um, like diminishing, like bankrupt. <laughs> I was just so disappointed with those movies. They felt like they were just trying so hard and failing. Um, some of the ideas in there were interesting, but I think uh, much like my thoughts on the Star Wars prequels, if you edit it together, you might get one good movie. Um, that's how I felt about the other two Matrix sequels, was if you just edit them together, you get one good one. Cut cut some of that fat. Uh, what did you guys think of the original trilogy? Oh, I, um, uh, the Matrix, I loved it. Although, the, the tra- I remember when the trailer came out, and I was like, this movie looks stupid. <laughs> this looks like the stupidest thing with that guns, lots of guns line, and, oh, looked terrible. And then saw it, and blown away i absolutely loved it um it's also so much easier to get across the idea what if all of this is not real after the matrix uh it was so difficult to say to people like what if everything that you think is real is not real and people were like eh, that's stupid i don't know what you're talking about and uh you know you'd say what if, well, what if you're a brain in a jar or something like that but then afterwards you're just like like the matrix and everyone's like oh yeah of course like the matrix so that's great. That is an invaluable asset to society, right? Um, to just have that idea penetrated deeper into the public consciousness. Uh, what if everything you think you know is wrong? Um, it's good. So it's tied for the most movies uh, that I have ever seen in, in a th- the most times that I've ever seen a movie in a theater. Um, five times for me. Ah. Um, admittedly, at least one, maybe two of those times were like, Hey, Brian, you want to go see The Matrix? Eh, I don't know. I'll pay for you. Okay, let's go. <laughs> that counts. <laughs> right. So, and I was into it. Um, it Loved it. Loved it. And then two and three came out. Very highly anticipated. Disappointing. Uh, there was a lot of stuff that I liked about them, but wasn't as into them. However, uh, we just rewatched two and three in preparation for watching this, this fourth one. Hmm. A lot better than I remembered. Oh, like, that's good. Yeah, I watched them and I was like, oh, these are actually pretty good. <laughs> these are pretty good. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of cool shit and a lot of cohesiveness. And maybe some of that was I didn't have a bunch of theories about what I thought they could do or what have you. Um, there was a lot more Matrix stuff. I remember the first one, the you know, the second one, but the first of the sequels, I was like, really get into the fucking matrix <laughs> like took them forever to get to the matrix yeah. not really 
you know, watching it now, maybe as an older guy or whatever, I'm like, yeah, they, you know, they got there pretty quick. The other stuff I remember literally looking at my watch the first time when yeah. the, the orgy was happening, like yeah, the, yeah. the Zion rave. Yeah. And I remember literally looking at my watch like, how long is this scene? Yeah. Yeah. It's not that long. Okay. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. I, Cause that's what I was like. I remembered it as this like odyssey, real time dance party that is <laughs> happening. <laughs> and it was not like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I thought it had a more cohesive story and a more interesting narrative than I remembered it having um, okay. and dealt with him being the one. And there were other themes about like choice and what he was that didn't hit home as much the first time around, like as a, oh, he's furthering his journey as the one kind of thing. Because the way the first one ends, it's almost like he's omnipotent, which yeah. they cannot do for two sequels. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd recommend checking them out, checking them out again, oh, JD. You I might. Will. I have yeah. the full box set. I don't yeah. know if you guys remember the DVD box set where it was like everything was mm-hmm. in there, including the animatrix. Yeah, and stuff. definitely. Some of which yeah. are very cool. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I uh, I saw the first one on opening night at the Cineplex Odeon in Stratford Square Mall in Stratford, Illinois, and that was the first time I saw it. And then subsequently, four or five more times, some of those were actually walking into it after watching another movie. Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. Um, nice, I've done that. Just obsessed with it. Uh, it's uh, yeah. It, I was the right age for it. I was just the right age for it to to not only enjoy the spectacle, but also I was like a a movie addict. So the the craft of it, mm. but then also the just the big questions were fun to contemplate when you're mm. what was it ninety nine seventeen yeah. Yeah, it, it was it was just perfect. It was perfect for me. Intro to philosophy. Yeah, and then I was uh, I want to say a junior in college by the time that no two thousand ninety seven two thousand one and two thousand two or no, whenever they came out, I was in college. Yeah. I was either second or third year in college, and I do not. So my bubble in Florida, the perception was that um, I was not super harsh on the second one but I was disappointed in how bloated it felt, how bloated it was. Um, and then my social circle took that frustration and applied it to the third one. Whereas I thought the third one was much more satisfying. I actually enjoy the third one still more than the second one. Oh yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's a logical conclusion to a lot of things. And I, absolutely loved the climax of the whole thing it's the, the all the star wars of it all of on zion they're fighting in real time whereas uh neo's making a like you know on his suicide mission with trinity and making a choice and then within and then it's all timed perfectly together like it's it's just pure movie making awesomeness with a layer of existential uh you know love conquering all type shit which is just you know, great. Uh, so I, I've not, I've never thought of them. I've never thought of the sequels poorly, but I have always felt that the third one was unfairly maligned by the expectations of the second one. And I do think the second one is hella bloated. Like there are so many plot threads in that movie that 
do not need to exist for the actual main narrative. Nope. They're great ideas and solid set dressing and world building. But in regards to your protagonists and antagonists moving through the story to the climax, they're fucking useless. You Just know what? Straight I- useless. As you're talking, it occurs to me, those might have been cool if they were Animatrix episodes. Or in a novel, or part of the, yeah. the video game side, yeah. was great. Like Star Wars side. Yeah, yeah. it was just Star, like, yeah. I think you could literally shave an hour off of the two plus hour runtime of the second movie and just great. tack it on to the third one. And it just narratively drives. And it I, sounds like we're all pretty much on the same page. I think that's, but that's um, in regards to the fourth one, just to segue right into it. Great. It okay. is a hundred pounds of fascinating ideas in a 10 pound bag of a movie. And because of that, I felt no matter how many cool pieces and fascinating twists that they did it still felt like two different movies jammed together and both of them were pretty subpar so like if we pick apart pieces and like this aspect of it was really cool i agree that part is really fucking cool and i wish that was explored committedly through a whole movie as opposed to i get a half of a matrix rehash i get 15 total minutes of clips from the first movie i get a metatextual version of the movie where the movie is a movie or a video game. Like all of those things separately are enjoyable, but just mashed together. It feels like they half-assed a lot of things instead of whole assing one yeah. for me. Yep. So that's, that's my overall matrix for opinion. Go, going into this film. I thought great. Um, we have a, a way to take a look at what happened in two and three and maybe set some things straight, maybe try some new stuff, um, maybe make a better sequel than two and three, I think, wound up being. And so I, I thought, great, you know, with, with hindsight, we're able, we'll be able to craft a better, more interesting story. Um, I don't think that happens. Uh, a lot of this feels like a, um, like a gag, like um, they're just making fun of it. Um, what would you call it? Like, um, scary movie is a, what kind of movie is that? Parody. It's a parody. feels almost like a parody of the matrix, uh, while still trying to take itself seriously. And, uh, you know, Noel and I had discussed quite a bit how at no point in this film, do I feel like anyone is in danger? I am not emotionally connected to anything that's happening on screen. Uh, I am watching, Neo do a, do a reenactment of the first film where he's like, oh, I'm in the Matrix and I have to be told that I'm in the Matrix. And But this time, maybe it's in my head. Maybe I'm crazy. You know, everything that and I thought happened He did get himself before. out this time, which was cool. Yeah, and there was, yeah. there was, they, you could tell that they were, and nobly they were, when I say they, it's only, it's Lana now. It's Lana, not yeah. both Wachowskis. She... Nobly subverted expectations every place that she could. Um, whereas, you know, he refused the call of the pill like three or four times and essentially was almost forced into the choice because it was either that or effectively die quickly. Um, so like there's less of a buying into it and like, you know, they stretched it out in a nice way, but 
Yeah, it. I I was more upset. Like I was upset about the. In both versions of the movie. They established stakes, but then immediately undermined those stakes, and then established stakes, and then immediately undermined them. Like, um, he's in the real. He's in the Matrix, building a video game. Lots of parody of brainstorm sessions where they just were on the nose commentary. Like they were fucking threats. Oh, I like those. You didn't like those. So, I would have liked listen. it if it was the whole movie. Like he does, but as it was, it was just like. I get it. Cool. They go through a thing where like they show you what some people think the movie's about. It's a trans allegory and, and it's uh, blah, blah, blah. And that's cool. And other people are like, you know what? It's really about bullet time. And you know, what it's really about guns. And then it's like intercutting with um, Tom Thomas. And yeah. he's taking a bunch of blue pills. Oh boy. So many blue pills. And then um, he uh someone says like oh guns it's about guns and then it's literally cut to him thomas on the toilet like oh we get it that idea is shit that's that's your that's what you're that's how you're being clever is like look he's on the toilet that means the thing that was just said to you was shit it was just text uh but uh (sighs) i actually don't remember my oh yeah i don't see it as trying to be clever though i just thought that was like one of many things that you saw him doing and i did see some article point out like oh how on the nose and i was like I yeah. guess it was on the nose. Well, that's not even I, my point. That's, yeah. My point is that every time that they would um, start to incite conflict, they would immediately mm-hmm. undermine it. And it yeah. happened even more so in the Matrix, in the real, sorry, in the real world, where um, as a viewer, I'm starting to question, all right, so how did this all go wrong in the last 60 years? Why it's 60? I don't know. But in the last 60 years, how did this go wrong? And where did we get to where we are? And how can our heroes help stop it? And they're like, oh, no, actually, there's peace. And here's we're cool this. Now. Like we're, we're cool dope. now. Like oh well, let's get to this. Oh 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 io io, um, and we'll do this thing. And like ah uh, uh, no no no, we're good here. You can you can leave. Like the the movie itself kept removing conflict to the point where it just got to like oh well, we're gonna risk a bunch of stuff to because you know to get us because we want to get we like, want to get Trinity out just because but, for some reason but even though she no, has a family. There's no greater. Oh, it's not a real family. <laughs> How is fake. it not a real family? Everyone in that, everyone in the Matrix is a mate is is a person hooked up to it, right? So those children are children hooked up to the Matrix. They... Who all they know is that Trinity is their mother, well, right? Wait, in this I don't one, know. In, in, I didn't think in this one. Were it's, real it's skins, so they might not be real people. However, yeah. with very little provocation, she is asked to leave her family and the only reason why she does i guess is because her fake husband turns abusive on a dime in two seconds i don't like it was well, just it was really fucking sloppy. she is like feeling that it's fake <laughs> was my was my understanding yes like she gets the idea like this is not real the know? the both versions of the world the in the matrix and outside of the matrix they establish within the movie that these are ecosystems that function fine and they are willing right. They do. Uh, I mean, the, the, the animal is fine. I mean, to the to the point of their agreement at the end of the third movie, whereas this will work like this and this works like this and you could live here and do this. Then, yes, it's a it's a system that works. Now, the analyst, the the mustache twirling villain that's revealed two hours into the movie. I, I thought he was just a program, not necessarily the big right, bad, right, the right. whole movie. But then he gets like a 25 minute monologue in the beginning of the third act to just like hammer it home 
Um, well, I mean that that tracks with the uh, Matrix Three, right? With the analyst. Uh, no, that's part two. Uh, but um, and all I can think of is uh, Will <laughs> Will Ferrell uh, from the MTV Movie Awards yeah. when they made fun of those. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I don't know that. Sounds funny. So though. the, o- the only funny. the only <laughs> issue. <sighs> The only antagonist or the only like conflict shows up at the very end there with um, uh, you, you sidetracked me because this is overly complicated for no reason. Oh, it's just that he's an asshole. He likes to he likes to 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 stoke discontent. And, you know, he's a fucking troll. The analyst is a troll on a message yeah. board. And that's who we're fighting because he's he's getting the job done, but he's just doing it in a meany way. So we're going to potentially imbalance the ecosystem of both the real world and the matrix because love conquers all. It's just, well, it, it was so it flimsy out. towards the very end. Yeah. I, I don't think that, it worked out how they wanted it to at the end with the, everyone is free to leave the matrix if they want to kind of thing, which was the agreement at the end of the other one. Plus yeah. they've got their culture heroes prisoner, you know, yeah. like Neo and, and Trinity being held prisoner was probably not part of that agreement and why, um, would, why did I'm, they do that they well they didn't they explain it that well They're they like, weren't held prisoner they were remade they were resuscitated and remade right. and only ever like so as far as the rest of the world is ever known they've just been dead yeah yeah but yeah. they knew somehow like the bugs which i thought was cool having her name be bugs um she she was cool i liked her knew she, about the neo still being around she only came across a modal yeah Yeah. she didn't know until the beginning of this movie or at least have a suspicion Mm. until the beginning of this movie Mm. i'm only bitching things that i loved Mm. i loved the idea of um the morpheus smith program Mm. mix i i thought that was a really really cool concept yeah me too the idea that um the two people that were pivotal in removing uh, Smith or in removing Anderson from the matrix are these two opposing figures, like the father figure and the antagonist and blah, blah, blah. And that, that he kind of built a program or a modal that merged those two characters to help him kind of figure out what's real. Yeah. I thought that was, that's such a cool fucking idea. And the way that Yaya Abdul-Mateen played it, where he's a flamboyant Morpheus because Smith was always very egotistical. I was like, this is wonderful. But then he just becomes another gun guy in the second half of the movie. Um, and the, I, it was, it was just such a really cool idea that they just abandoned halfway through because then they yeah. introduced young Smith, which I hated. I hated him. I yeah, actually like the actor. Him, and it's kind of cool. Oh, he's but, great. Yeah. I didn't and like the him only reason the only reason that Hugo Weaving wasn't in it was like scheduling conflict and whatever, yeah. which he was the only part that I was like, really feel his absence. Like I get yeah. Lawrence Fishburne not being in it made sense because of this different version of Morpheus, but Hugo Weaving would have just been much better in that role. And it would have been much cooler to have it be Smith as we've yeah. seen him before in that role. But you, just, you just like, wait. You just go, all right, well, right. we'll wait until Hugo Weaving is available. Now, maybe it's the kind of thing where it's like, oh, then we'd actually have to wait seven years because yeah. of or whatever. But, yeah. <laughs> it's it's still, it's also another, like, it's just indicative of, of all of this kind of being sloppy. 
So like there's that, but then there's also um, the Merovingian shows up. The, oh the, my the, God. The whole concept of <laughs> um, deleted and rebooted versions of the matrix is a really cool one. And then you've got the, um, I forget what they called them. They're just essentially just like echoes the relics, of other, the relics or something. Yeah. Something like that. The echoes yeah. of others that are fighting to stay alive, but that shit's not established. Like, how did they survive the other the other reboots, and where are they now? And like, well, that just, was mentioned in two and three that they were relics from previous versions of the Matrix. So why are they fucking hobos in this one? That didn't work out as well for them this time. And he's just he's <laughs> so yeah. yelling weird. like yeah. he's just yelling, oh, I, "Get off my lawn!" From the sideline, did not understand what the yeah. fuck he was saying the whole time, and yeah. it's just it was. Yeah. It was just kitchen sink. They were just throwing ideas out with no actual ways of landing the ideas. And then it was just a sloppy. It was just it just was sloppy. And then the action itself was really fucking boring, too. Yeah. Neo yeah. did not really do a lot of Neo stuff, even to the point where That's they it. were like, That's he it. Just, never yeah. really. Right. He just does that. And he can't fly, <laughs> which I guess it's OK that he, you know, but he never well, really he can, gets though. that. Well, he can now, but right. Which also, speaking of that, Trinity's turn, um, I would have liked something earlier in the story about that that might happen or some prophecy that we thought was about Neo but turned out to be about well, something. You know, just oh, I'm sorry. You mean the, very, the last 30 seconds of the film where she's flying? Yeah, I think well, you meant her turn being like she that she decides to go with Neo. No, no, no being, that I was being okay part with. of it. So I, yeah. it's, it's yeah, what's a lot of it's just a lot of mental gymnastics. Of, <sighs> again, the basic theme of all four of these fucking movies is love conquers all. Sure. The only reason why his version of the one worked in the end of the third movie is because he was willing to sacrifice everything for her, yeah. and. Uh, willingly like made a truce so that's why it worked instead of it just being another like right right another, another like failed coup it. and then we yeah, reboot yeah. like it, which like that's why that worked the whole point is him and her so like their connection is something that's strong enough to disrupt the status quo but their connection in proximity is an engine for productivity yeah i think if they get close enough to like so that it's about to happen, but not oh, so that it it's a horny so, engine. So sixty it runs years on of, horn. Sixty years exactly. of cock tease just really like yeah. really steams the engines of, of yeah, the matrix yeah, yeah. to a to a fever. But how that all translates into both of them sharing the prophecy, I don't understand. Um yeah. and even just, just like one, because the the Oracle is not in this at all, which is a disappointment, but um, just like one final prophecy from the Oracle that we're like, we don't know what this means or some kind of explanation, anything. So a was throwaway like, line about how when they right. were both resuscitated, they used some of his energy or something. They've been bullshit. in contact for so long. They merged. They share. They been. share right. an aura. Literally, one person. Anything would have been, been like, fine. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, it was just like she can fly now. Save yeah. me. Like what the fuck? You know what and it is? Controls the matrix and everything. Yeah. Yeah. You know what it is? They're a dyad in the force. That's what it is. That's they why. were. They were. 
Um, oh, speaking maybe of the novelization will answer all the questions that a movie should. <laughs> so, like I said, we just rewatched two and three, and there's that little girl at the very end of three who yeah. he meets and then comes. And and I remember I was like, oh, hey, it would be cool if we saw that little girl as like an adult now. And we did, and we saw that little girl as like what's, an adult now. That was what's cool. her name again? It's um, Info Dump. Um, yeah, yeah. Actually, I wonder what her name actually is, and if it does mean something like exposition. Or, but no, I'm she, sorry, Brian. She had no lines. The whole yes. movie showed up here and there, and like, oh, it's an actress. She's going to show up later. She shows up, and she does not shut up because she has to talk through intricate plans and blueprints. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is happening in this movie right now? <laughs> yeah. And she's looking over a well. I, like, what's yeah. happening in this fucking um, movie? Brian, I'm yes. sorry. Noel and I both took our turns. We we sort of said what sorry, we thought yeah. about the movie. Well, how oh. did you feel about the movie? Did you enjoy it? Uh, so I did enjoy it. I um, I felt I, I saw it with my girlfriend, and she had never seen two and three, so that's why we rewatched it at that time. Hmm. And we both felt like I liked that movie. I didn't think it was the greatest Matrix movie that. It could be, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? For a bunch of those reasons, like there wasn't as much Neo being a badass Matrix guy or anybody being a badass Matrix guy or or whomever um, as I would have liked. But then I still think like, oh, I did think that about two and three until I just rewatched them. So maybe if I watch this one in a little while, yeah. I'll feel otherwise. There were a lot of things that I thought were cool about the movie, uh, like Noel was saying, like, Overall, there it it wasn't everything that I wanted it to be. I wanted yeah. I like you, JD, going into it. Uh, I was like, oh, I really want this to be the good sequel yeah. that two and three weren't. But then I felt a little differently having watched two and three just the day before. Um, so yeah, overall, I think I enjoyed it. There was a lot of stuff that I enjoyed. I liked the machines and people are now. Working oh, yeah. to, and living together that shit was awesome sure. and the programs I, can come into the real world and, i loved like, that all that cool. stuff too i yeah. just felt like it was it undercut what the conflict was five minutes before that they established yeah yeah like it just it kept being introduced in ways that undermined the story you were just telling five minutes mm-hmm. ago this movie this is a, this is like a, a shit ton of story in a small yeah. movie and yeah now that i think about it it all felt incredibly small yeah well so that's the other thing that yeah. like this one was not about the matrix it mm-hmm. was not about doing something with the matrix ending or changing or freeing or whatever matrix related it was just like oh we think neo's alive he is we can't get trinity right now we'll come back later yeah and there yeah there wasn't any element of like oh, we need to end the Matrix once and for all or make it so that the machines live in the Matrix and everybody chills out together there if they want to or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, it felt a lot like coming off of Lord of the Rings, the trilogy, the films, yeah. and then where the conflict is good versus evil. Yeah. Evil versus every single thing. You got to beat this big old bad guy. To save everything. And then we go to The Hobbit. Yeah. Where the trilogy seems to be about, well, well, we had a house. Ha- we had a house. 
and now there's a dragon in our house and he's we can't get that dragon out of our house guys what do well, we do which would be a big like, problem why am i watching right? a trilogy about this i mean the, yeah that uh, being a trilogy was a weird same choice. i was gonna say same same note one and a half movies worth of of movie yeah because uh um, the, the battle of the five armies was pretty dope just didn't, didn't get that I mean, on. that book is arguably better than the Lord of the Rings trilogy, oh. in my opinion. Wow. Um, I definitely read that first and loved it. And Lord of the Rings took me multiple tries. Yeah. Books, books I mean, one and two. Oh, they're so dry. It's, that's comparing. That's comparing like a, a excellent Disney adaptation to, you know, the prose miniseries. Like I, it's, I feel like they're two tones. Even though it's Tolkien, it's still two different. Oh, they're like, definitely tones. two different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, they, sure. I, but, that, that's just like I wouldn't even compare them, and that's I think the problem. Well, it was hard not to. Yeah, because I, mean, I, I yeah, we yeah, saw yeah, the, the, the great trilogy, <laughs> and I was like, oh, here comes another great trilogy. Oh, the the stakes of this are very small, and I don't care. Um, I think one of the other things this movie made me feel was okay at the end of the Matrix Part One, where Neo is like, holy shit, I'm. I can yeah. do, I, boom, bop, right? And he's fighting Smith so slowly that he doesn't even, he's like fucking mm-hmm. doing his nails over here. Like mm-hmm. he's just deflecting Smith very slowly. Every, every fight scene and all the choreography in this movie felt that slow to me. Hmm. That didn't, it didn't but feel like But without the story reason. For yeah, it. yeah, all it was right. just poorly done uh, choreography. And from what I understand, the original, I mean, the, the definitely the original movie uh, trilogy was very storyboarded. In fact, mm. I believe the the name is used, Scross. Um, at one point, someone's I don't know if it's the guy at the coffee shop or something, but somebody's called Scross because Steve Scross, the comic book artist, was one of the storyboard artists for this. Oh yeah, uh, for the original Matrix, as was Jeff Darrow. Um. That's how big into the Matrix I was. I was like looking up the storyboard artists. Um, and so, yeah, th- that was not done here. It was very fast and loose and sort of figure it out on the day. And it the whole movie feels like that to me. Um, and I'm so done. JD? I'm, what? Did you read The Invisibles? Speaking no. of comic Matrix, no. apparently they drew very heavily from Graham Morrison's The Invisibles. So much so have- that Morrison was like, after two and three, like, oh, they should have given me a call. I could have made them good. Oh, that's funny. I yeah. um, I have the I have only, seen oh. that. I, I have almost bought that omnibus like three or four times, only because it. Everyone says it's wonderful. I hear but it's I good. Don't know. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I've heard um, too. Oh yeah. <laughs> but um, oh, I lost what I was gonna say. Um, oh, I am so done with bullet porn. I don't care about people just shooting Uzis and Uzis and slow falling bullets, and I'm the slow care. falling shells. I can, I'm over. It's fine. Fuck. Like, please stop that. Yeah. yeah. I, felt, what was that movie that I said it felt like? Um, shoot him up. Shoot him up. Yeah. I um. It's hard. I. I am always more upset by mediocre than I am by just terrible. Like if it's just terrible, you took a swing and that's cool. But there are so many fascinating ideas and cool swings in this movie that you can't just dismiss it as being bad or didn't like it. But I still, I still don't feel that it was successful, and I don't feel like it was a very good movie because all of the, it's it's the it's this the, all the parts are are 
really interesting and cool, but the sum of it, I, it was not something that I enjoyed. Hmm. So I, I, I would never dismiss it outright. Like, I think it's fascinating. And I yeah. think a lot of the ideas, but I just wish I, the, for the first like half hour, the way that they were going with, is this all in his head? Is it not? Is it, I would have, I would have loved that for the whole movie to be completely honest with you. Like hmm. if they really made it small and just about questioning reality and, and effectively undermining the original trilogy, hmm. I thought that would have been ballsy as hell. And I thought that would have been really cool, but then they just kind of tacked on a pretty boring remake of the first movie at the end of this. And I was just, it was just, I was underwhelmed. Hmm. Yeah. Agreed. They, they even could have, because like you're saying, in the, in the first half hour of it where you've, they've got that modal is running and like, that's a really cool idea that he mm-hmm. like subconsciously in the matrix is building a program to reach the outside, to help him get out of the matrix. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, also, I like when he taps on the mirror and it doesn't do anything. Um, that was pretty cool too. But even the, you know, the stuff that he does when he's just kind of force blasting things, even that could be like have him control some buildings into falling over or something, you know, even if he's not going to be doing as much hand to hand fighting in crazy Matrix wires done style. It's just uh, intentional or not. It's just all felt pretty lazy. Not the effort put into it. Hmm. Just the execution and how it was relayed in the context of the movie just felt sloppy. Yeah. Yeah. I, although well, it is one of the rare movies that I'm like, I think I want to watch that again. Yeah. Just to see. I think I will too. You know, yeah. Again, I think I'd probably watch all four of them. There's so much. There's so much. There's so many very good ideas in it. it you yeah. can't dismiss it. Hmm. But I just, I. I was very at the end of all of it. I was just disappointed, yeah. not because of my expectations either, because I didn't really have expectations. I was like, "Oh, that's a dope ass trailer," and that yeah. was it. Like, there was never any like midnight conversations about you know what I really hope they do in the fourth Matrix movie. No, yeah. it was just cool trailer. I'll mm-hmm. see you on the twenty second. Uh, so for that first chunk, I was like, "Is this is this the movie? Because that's great." But then. It's like, oh, it's not the movie. This is, this is the first movie. Okay. Well, they also they didn't have a messiah story in this one. They had some ruminations on whether or not that exists, and they had it at the end, the fulfillment of it. But they didn't really have it as a story element, and that is also another key Matrix story element. Is this like? the mysticism that goes beyond the, the hard sci-fi of the computer programming. That was always part of it. Like the Oracle knows shit. There's no, there's no computer programming reason that he would get the Oracle site or that the Oracle would have that site. You know, Um, is the the Oracle just a really, really good algorithm. Like a predictive algorithm. Maybe (laughs) that would be really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I, I would, I would, I would, I would recommend this movie, hmm. but only because it would not because I thought it was good, just because I think it elicits interesting conversations. Hmm. The experience I didn't enjoy, but talking about it and like wrestling with it, I, I have enjoyed overall. 
Well, Todd Engel is in the uh, chat and he says, best since the original, despite the John Wick hair. So much better than two and three. And the new cast was really good, including nice. Yaya unnecessarily replacing Fishburne, but he was still good. Nice. So, uh, and I've seen a lot of, lot of friends online really, really being like, this is the best since the original Matrix. I really cool. love this movie. And it seems like it's getting you know, uh, good reviews from, from my circle of friends. So I'm glad people are enjoying it. Um, I certainly went into it hoping to enjoy it. And I'm definitely going to revisit it, like we said. I'm going to probably watch one, two, three, and four um, and uh, see maybe maybe something that'll click a little better. Because I do agree with Noel that this is one of those films that feels like um, maybe maybe repeat watching will, will add to I, the experience. I don't know if... To unnecessarily clarify for myself i don't know if repeat viewings will improve the movie because we were talking i was talking with um brian earlier about wheel of time like you started liking it after watching it for a while it almost made it sound like it's stockholm syndrome like you just keep watching it until it starts yeah, to until get you good. love it I, I don't know if it'll make it better but i do think that there's so much fucking stuff in this movie for better or worse that it incites interesting conversations, even if the experience may never improve. Mm. Does that make sense? Like the movie's not going to change. Right. Um, it's unlikely, but I'll catch one or two things. <laughs> <laughs> I'll catch one or two things more and be like, yeah. Oh, that's a unnecessary mm. explanation for a thing that I didn't think was a problem or vice versa. Mm. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, let us know. Email us at coltpopgo at gmail.com. Let us know what you think of the original trilogy, uh, the original trilogy, as well as Resurrections. Um, let us know what your favorite book of the week was. We want to hear about that. Are there are books out there that we haven't been talking about that we should be talking about. You email us and let us know. Go to patreon.com slash Johnny Destructo and help us out there. And um, that's it. We'll see you here next Monday, 9 p.m. We will talk about this upcoming week's books and possibly, oh, maybe Scream. When's Scream no. come out? 14th. I'm really excited. I've been watching all the Scream movies because uh, I'm a big Scream that fan. Might, new Scream movie coming my, out? Yeah. yeah. My, Five uh, Cream. My uh, wife My wife is not down to see it, so we might have to do like a... Let's, let's in advance plan like a, set, a Friday morning kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Great. I'm in. Like, I'm probably not going to watch that movie either, guys. Yeah, uh, <laughs> oh, me. Wait. You don't enjoy regular people doing horrible things to other regular people? Isn't that one of the, your favorite things <laughs> you said like 15 minutes ago? Now, Scream is kind of tongue-in-cheek, right? Yes. But it also involves yes, you like... It's, it's very much tongue-in-cheek. I don't yeah. think it's tongue-in-cheek. I think it's self-referential. Oh, okay. Tongue-in-cheek is... It's a joke. It's a parody. Right. It's self-referential. It's still horrific. It's still a horror movie. It's just the well, characters have no. It's not the characters have knowledge of, so oh, it's right. it's referential. They, like mm -hmm. they are knowledgeable of the tropes, and so it also helps like, to enjoy it if you like a enjoy horror, movie horror movies. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy the tropes of horror movies. Yeah, right. right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm probably not going right. to see that movie. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Um, but anyway, I got to go do my orders. Thank you to everyone hanging out with us in the chat. You make it worthwhile. Not these guys. These guys suck. I'm really here for the chat. So thanks, guys. We love you, and we will talk at you later. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Now it's so spooky. 
and Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. Yeah.